Amen. Well, we are continuing now. I know we took a little break from Ephesians, but we're continuing in our study of, of Ephesians, verse by verse, and we are in Ephesians chapter 1, and we've just gone through the first eight verses, and in those eight verses, we have found that we are who God says we are, and if you'll remember, we, we sort of came up with some, some lingo to help us remember that, and some way, and it's high five, I'm alive. You remember that? Way back three weeks ago, high five, I'm alive. I am blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, and redeemed. That is who God says that I am. That is who God says that you are. We've seen that in the first eight verses. We're going to continue on with verse 9 and 10 this morning, but know this. Those character traits, those blessings, the foundation stones that God says We are who he says we are. Have a very specific purpose. Write this down. Understanding that you are who God says you are helps you to see that you are tied to a greater purpose. And that's what we're going to get into this morning. You see, when you understand that that's that's who I am, that's what God's word says I am, it helps us to see and understand that there is something that we are tied into. And the Bible's going to call this a great mystery, the mystery of the gathering. There's something that God has done in giving us these gifts and calling us to these purposes, making us who we are, that ties us to something that is much greater than any one of us could possibly be, something that is much more significant than any of us experience in and of ourselves all alone, much more beautiful than the world can come up with, something that's great. It's called a mystery in the scriptures. And we're going to look at that. There are two vital angles to mysteries. And what we're going to do this morning is spend a little bit of time talking about biblical mysteries. What is a mystery in the Bible? And then sort of set it up to talk about the actual mystery of the gathering next time we gather. So read with me if you will. We're going to start there in verse 9. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. He says, having made known to us the mystery of his will. That's where we find that word having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all the things in Christ both are which are in heaven and which are on earth in him okay now so he's talking about let's look at it verse 9 and let's really break this down see what are the two different angles of mysteries Verse 9 says, having made known to us the mystery. So this is a mystery that has been made known to us. We understand this mystery, this one he's going to talk about. This is, this is ultimately going to be the mystery of salvation, of grace, uh, uh, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and making us all a part of the same family in Christ, right? That's the mystery we're going for. But what he says is, having made known to us this mystery, and the word there is really taken from a derivative of a Greek word that means to shut your mouth. Some of you know that word really well. I've heard you say it. But think about what that means. If if this word mystery is derived from that root word, to shut your mouth, doesn't it carry with it the idea then that it's something that's just not easily known? It's not obvious. A mystery in the Bible is something that is kept in some sense, in some sense it's kept secret. There's a, a puzzle attached to it. There might be clues, but it's not on the surface. It's not obvious. In other words, oftentimes mysteries are hard to understand by ourselves. So mysteries in the Bible have to be revealed. As we 
get clues and we begin to research and pursue the meaning and the understanding of mysteries, God peels back the layer. He removes the curtain a little bit at a time so that mysteries are discovered. They're not right there on the surface. That's really important for us to note before we get into talking about this mystery. There are two angles. The first one is this. Mysteries, they are to be remembered. Remembered. And turn to Romans chapter 16. I want to show you that very quickly. Someone here this morning, I believe like me, needs to remember the mysteries that we have already discovered, and they help us. Romans chapter 16. Now, guys, you got to understand some context here, okay? This is the very end of Romans, right? 16 chapters later, we're going to read the third to the last verse here. So a little bit of the context here. This is a, this is a book, a letter written by Paul to the Roman Christians, started out primarily Jewish Christians, and then they were persecuted immensely by Nero and kicked out of Rome. So all the Jewish Christians had to leave Rome, which left behind the Gentile Christians, still there in Rome, also very persecuted by the Roman emperor. And then the Roman emperor decided to change his mind and allow the Jews to come back. It probably was economically driven. Well, actually, you know, they're pretty good with money. Let them come back. So the Jews came back, and now Jewish Christians come back into Rome, and they found out that the Gentile Christians have been running the church all by themselves and have made it very non-Jewish. And so there's this conflict in the church and they are under immense persecution. I, I like, you know, I was telling Julie this week, I, I don't know what we think in America today. We think that the only way we're going to be successful and happy as a church is for our government to get it right and be a godly Christian government. Now, I'm hoping for that too, folks, especially given our heritage. I'm hoping, but listen, that's not ultimately where I'm putting my hope. You see, the church can be most successful even in the midst of a government that is non-Christian and persecuting Christians. That's where the church in Rome was. Nero, hey, Nero was cutting their heads off to see how far they could run without a head. So, so far our government hasn't gone that far and hopefully they won't. But that's the environment that this church was flourishing in. So they're facing some difficulties. It's hard to be a Christian in Rome during these times. And in that context, Paul writes this letter, wanting them to be encouraged. Look at verse 25 of chapter 16. Now to him who is able to establish you. The word establish there means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. To him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the, watch, mystery, kept secret since the world began. Now, now we're just going to take this little, little piece of a verse here just to show you that mysteries are to be remembered. He's going to this church and he's saying, you know what? He's saying, in order for you to be established, and I think even in the ESV, if you have that translation, it uses the word strengthen, to, to set resolutely in the right direction, to be firm, to be unmoved by the circumstances and the world and the difficulty and the persecution that you face. To be unmoved, to be okay in the midst of turmoil, to stand with peace in the midst of a storm. In order for you to do that, now to him who's able, God's able to do that, to establish you, church, to make you firm, to make you, to make you resolute, to be successful even though things are falling apart. According to what? According to the gospel of the preaching of Jesus Christ. That means, hey, he's delivered you from sin, Forgiveness is yours. God loves you. 
God forgives you. God calls you. God has a purpose for your life. All those are part of the mystery of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And he says, if you'll remember that mystery, God will use your assurance from knowing that's part of his plan to help you face what you're facing today. Remember it. A church in America today would do well to remember the mystery of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, we've been forgiven in his blood, and we have all kinds of purpose attached to his glorious plan. It doesn't matter what the government does. God's plan will not be thwarted. He, it was so important to him that he sent his own son to die on the cross. For. That's a huge mystery, folks. That's significant. And he says, remember that. It's like, a, it's like an anchor. It's like a foundation to stand on. So we're, we're called. It's a benefit for us to remember the mysteries that have been revealed to us. And this is a very classic, a very wonderful, prime example of a mystery that we all know and need to remember. But the second thing is equally important. This other angle of mysteries, not only are they to be remembered, but they're also to be discovered. The discovery process in the Bible never ends. Aren't you glad to know that you don't know everything about the Bible right now? I don't. I'm glad to know that there's more that God wants to show me that will help me. Now turn to Colossians chapter 2, and I'll show you just briefly another snippet that shows us how we are to discover mysteries. Sometimes they're remembered, sometimes they're discovered. Colossians chapter 2, when you're there, say, bald is beautiful. Now, listen, you're going to be one of those crowds that doesn't do what I say. You just need to let me know right now. I'll go find somewhere else this morning. All right. You don't want to say it? You know, God only made a few very perfect heads. The rest of y'all, he covered with hair. So, all right, enough foolishness. Colossians chapter 2, hopefully you're there by now. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have had for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both to the Father and of Christ, in whom all are hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now listen to what he's saying, okay? Chapter 2 begins, church, this is a different church, also struggling in their own way. You don't know how I've struggled for you. How I've wanted you to be blessed. I wanted you to feel the benefits of being Christians. I, I've wrestled with that. And, and when you miss it, I, I grieve. That's what he's talking about, this conflict that's going on, he says. And here's what he's wanting. Look at it, right there in verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged. See that? Again, guys, listen. I know politics is discouraging right now. Okay? And many of us are hoping the economy turns in the right direction. We hope our schools get better. We hope our, our children grow up in a happier, easier place. But the, the reality is those are not the truths around us right now. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are in great need of being encouraged. We can't falter now. When things get difficult, when things become tough, when it's harder to be the church and stand for our faith, we can't back away now. Now more than ever is the time where we need to be encouraged, filled with courage to stand with conviction for what is right, for what is true, for the ways of God. Right? Am I in the right room? Okay, look what he says. That their hearts may be encouraged, 
Now, here's how. Being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the fullness of assurance of understanding. Now, that's a mouthful. There's a lot to that. To the knowledge, here it is, of the mystery of God. He said there is understanding that you have yet to receive. Attaining to it still, he says. That will bring you encouragement. That will give you a fuller grasp of the things that God is doing. And when you have that understanding, that the fullness of that knowledge, when you gain more perception of the mystery of what God's doing, that will enable you to stand even stronger when things begin to crumble around you. You see, we need to discover the mysteries that God has for us in his word. They're not just trivia. They're not just so that we can know what the Bible says and have all the right answers. They're to encourage the church. They're so that the church can stand strong in the midst of a government that stands opposed to God. It's so that a church can glorify God when the rest of the world doesn't know him. It's so that we can be light in darkness. We need to discover the mysteries. Look what he says. Now, let me just give you this morning three keys out of what he says here to help you understand how to interpret, how to discover mysteries. They're sort of simple to understand, but they're maybe a little bit more difficult to do. Let's look at them together, and then we'll practice them next week when we see that what this actual mystery in Ephesians 1 is, okay? Three keys to discovering. The, now, first, I want you to know this. The benefits of mysteries are not automatic. You with me? In other words, there's great benefit when we understand the fullness of understanding the, the courage, the strength, all the benefits to come, those things don't come automatically just because you're a Christian. Hey, listen, do you ever know any Christians that got discouraged? I know we don't like to admit it in church, but sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes even Christians get depressed. Sometimes we really struggle. Sometimes we let our light be hidden It happens to us because the benefits of the mysteries of God are not always automatic just because we're Christians. Look what he says. Verse 2 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches. What does that word attaining imply to you and I? It means it's something we haven't yet gotten to. He's praying, he's wrestling, he's struggling that that they would attain to a greater understanding, that they would get to that place. In other words, you don't get it automatically just because you're the church, just because you're a Christian. He goes on to say, look at verse 3, these mysteries of God in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom. Hidden. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. These treasures, now how many would agree, treasure is something we should desire and seek after. That's right, the treasures, he calls it a treasure. They are hidden. They're below the surface. There are clues. There are things that we have to research and pursue. There's prayer. There's study. There's obedience. There's faithfulness. There's consistency. There's commitment. All these things are required in order to really dig down and discover what the mystery is so that we can then benefit from its understanding. I think this goes against one of the greatest lies in the church today. What's holding the church to be so ineffective in America today is this, that we can just be saved and satisfied. 
That means the end goal is that we would know Christ and be saved, and that's it. Now, guys, listen to me. I'm, you know me. I'm all about reaching the lost people in our community. We, no one else, it's our job. We must witness to, preach to, share with, love, and show grace to the lost world around us. We're the only light they have. That's how they get saved. That's very important. But listen, that's not the end. And for you, the day when you met Jesus Christ as Savior and surrendered to him, accepted him by faith, that was not the end goal. That was simply the first step. That was the beginning of a journey that takes you from mystery to mystery to understand more of the benefits and the fruit and the glory that God has for you personally. And the church today that just says, oh, we're saved, we can just put it on coast, put cruise control on now and just let things go, is missing the encouragement from these mysteries. It's not automatic. We don't understand them. Ben, I'm going to use an example here that I think will make most sense to you. A mystery is like romance to a man. See, all the ladies are going, yep, mm -hmm, that's right. The guys look at me like, what? What are you talking about? Guys, you don't understand romance. Ladies, am I right? Right? Okay, I got enough nods to move forward. Okay, listen. It's true. We try and we try and we try, like, try to wrap our mind around what is it that she, would, what, what's she looking for here? And the problem is she makes all the rules when it comes to romance, right? That's the first thing you need to know, guys. And then the second thing is she has the right to change the rule anytime she wants, <laughs> right? So it's no wonder that we never have a clue. And sometimes she doesn't even know how she's changed the rules or what rules she's changed, and we're still supposed to know it. Am I in the right room now? Guys, is this true? I, we were listening to the, on the radio the other day, Christian radio, they were talking about romance and the importance of romance in the home. And, and we're driving along, and, and I'm driving, and Julie's sitting next to me. And I thought, oh, this is, this is great. This is giving me a chance to really get some approval. Because, you know, in my own mind, I'm the king of romance. <laughs> I am. What's you, what are you laughing at, Bruno? Right? I, honestly, honestly, I've done a lot to try, okay? And so I thought, this would be a good chance. To say, yeah, that's right. That, boy, that's a really important part. I should, you know, we should teach on that sometime. She said, yes, you should. <laughs> and I noticed a bit of sarcasm in her voice. So I said, well, you know, some people don't get it, but some people do. I'm, I'm one of those ones. I'm pretty romantic, right? Now, the only way I can explain to you how she responded just then was she turned her head so fast that I literally thought it was going to spin off and fall on the floor. And that was my first clue. Uh-oh. Maybe, maybe she doesn't agree with this. And I got myself in some trouble and wished I had changed the station. I found out she doesn't think I'm very romantic, church. Can you believe that? I mean... I take out the garbage? Seriously. For 26 years, I've taken out the garbage, only to find out that half the time it's been emptied, she's done it. And then she says this. This is, this is a real story, okay? She says, you think that's romantic? I said, yeah. 
She said, can I ask you a question? How do you think the trash bag liner gets back in the can every time you empty it? <laughs> I'm serious. I thought for a second, I really don't know. <laughs> it's a long story. She ended up taking me to the pantry to show me where they're at. And I have what most guys have. We call it pantry and refrigerator blindness. Do you have that, guys? Like you go to the refrigerator and you open it up and you look and you know what you're looking for and you stare and you stare and honey, you don't want to ask her because she knows she's going to get mad. So you start praying. You have a little quiet time. You start fasting and oh Lord, reveal the ketchup. Please let it just jump out to me so that I don't have to ask her because every time I ask her, she comes right over the fridge and she goes, really? It's right here. Is there anybody else? Right? Guys, we don't get it. We don't get it. I've learned some clues, though. In my marriage, if it involves giving her shoes, I'm on a good start. I'm off to the races now. I've figured that much out, okay? But, you know, we just never get it, guys. We try and try, and, and sometimes even a blind squirrel finds a nut, so we, we stumble across it, and, and sometimes we, we hit it, but most of the time we don't understand it. That's a mystery to us. And, guys, we don't always experience... I'm going to say this in present company, you'll have to read between the lines. We don't always experience the benefits of romance automatically either, do we? We have to, we have, you know why she changes the rules? I'm not done yet. (laughs) You know why? Here's the thing, because she wants you to keep pursuing. She wants you to keep chasing it. Even when you don't get it, you don't understand it, she wants you to try hard to figure out what is pleasing, what blesses her, what makes her feel special and esteemed by you. And, and you, guys, you're just going to have to keep chasing after it. And that's the mystery. She wants you to keep doing that. And it's not completely unlike the mystery found in God's Word. We don't always know them, but God enjoys. It's a blessing to the Father for us to continue to pursue him as a Christian to understand the things that are so important to his heart. It's not always automatic. Number two, it begins with understanding. It begins with understanding. We read that. He said, verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. You see, there's an understanding that gives us a benefit to mysteries. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, if you would. Matthew 13, very quickly, I just want to show you what this is referring to. Because understanding is not always easy, is it? Right? Sometimes we read it, we hear it, We're exposed to it, and we still don't quite get it sometimes. Jesus spoke to this issue very clearly in Matthew 13. Matthew 13 begins a series of parables. The first parable has to do with the sower. The sower goes out to sow the seed, right? And it lands on four different kinds of ground, and he begins to explain the meaning of that parable. Okay? Now, in, in the midst of describing the, the meaning of this parable, he gives us some great insight to mysteries. Okay? So read with me, if you will, Matthew chapter 13 in verse 10. He just so, told the parable of the sower. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? 
And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Now listen carefully. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Remember what I said? The first step is understanding. And here Jesus is saying, I'm speaking in clues, parables. Because seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. They, they don't understand. And in them, the prophecy is fulfilled of Isaiah. He says in verse 14, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Now what is Jesus saying here? His disciples want to know, what's with the, what's with the like clues here how come you're not just speaking plainly anymore and jesus says hey listen he who has ears to hear let him hear in other words if you're just going to come because he's giving out free bread if you just want to follow him because it's fascinating to watch people that are given back their sight and healed If you're just going to follow him because it's fun to do and it's a new novel approach to life and keeping things exciting, if you're just attracted to him by the surface of that he's so different and so remarkable, there are some things that you will never understand. You see what he's saying? I have reserved, God says, those things that are so precious to my heart for those who really want to know. Those who, who drive those who are relentless to keep going with me when it gets tough. Those who want me because they recognize who I am. Not just because I feed their bellies and provide for their needs. It really takes two things to gain an understanding. Number one, you make, must make adjustments. To understand the mysteries of God, you're going to have to make some adjustments, friends. That's what he was saying to the disciples. Now, why did the disciples privy to the understanding? Well, remember what he said to them? You have left all to follow me. They made some major adjustments, didn't they? They left behind so much of what was important to them in order to discover more about him that they had ears to hear and their understanding came. You see it? Are you you with me? Are you sleeping? Okay, check it out. It's like... God has certain things that are so important, so precious to his heart that he doesn't just hand them out like candy to any casual person who passes by. They're reserved for those who really want to know, to make adjustments. Can I ask you a question, church? How about you personally? What sort of adjustments have you made recently in order to continue to follow Jesus in your life? Are you seeking to make any adjustments? Do you know that they're going to come? Are you prepared for them? Are you ready to make them? See, modern day Christianity today has made Jesus just an attachment to our lives. 
But the biblical form of Christianity puts Jesus at the centerpiece of our lives. And when Jesus is at the center of your life, when he is the centerpiece, there are constant ongoing adjustments that you and I have to personally make in order to keep going with him. And as we do that, the mysteries become clear to us. We gain more understanding of the things that are precious to the heart of God. And listen, this is the point. When we do that, that gives us great courage. It gives us strength. It makes us resolved. You see, there's a great correlation between the shallow church in America today that's saved and satisfied and all they want is a good show, but don't ask me to make any adjustments, and their inability to stand up against the darkness that is slaughtering America. There's a correlation between the two. We've got to be the church. You have to be the man, sir. You have to be the lady, man, who will stand up in Christ and make all the adjustments necessary to continue to follow him because he's the very center of your life. And as you gain insight and understanding from that journey with him, that you will stand strongly, that you'll be able to love those who are unlovely, that you'll be able to forgive those who offend you, that you will respond with kindness instead of bitterness and be the church. There's huge benefit. But we have to make adjustments. And the other thing to gain understanding is you have to be committed. We have to be committed to him. That's what he's telling the disciples there. You understand because you're committed to follow me. You want to know. You love me. These aren't really committed, and so their hearts are dull. They don't really want to know, and they're not going to understand. That's what he says. It's the truth. Can I ask you? Just for you, how committed are you? Not to the Christian cause or not to a program or a ministry. How committed are you personally to the Lord Jesus Christ? To all that he is and all that he stands for in your life, in your heart. How committed are you? And really, if you want to know the answer to that question, turn it around and ask it this way. How committed would the Lord say that I am to him? Now, you've got to read through the scriptures and say, well, what does commitment look like in his economy? What does he say about commitment? Now, would he see that in my life? It's, it's like commitment is like a relentless, unwavering pursuit. Let me put it this way. Could you imagine your spouse and... God bless you if this is a reality for you. We want you to know we love you and pray God's peace and strength. I was speaking with a gentleman this morning, a visitor from out of town. Probably the hardest thing he's ever faced is losing his wife to cancer, he said. Now listen, could you imagine if your spouse had a fatal disease? Maybe that's the case with you, and you, you certainly know what I'm talking about. I can't imagine anything scarier in my life. Fatal disease, no cure. She's going to die. And then, could you imagine that science has discovered suddenly there is a cure to that disease? It's found in some root, some plant in the Amazon, right in the middle of the Amazon. It's rare, but it's there. They found it. It's proven to cure the disease of your spouse that's ultimately going to take their life. With what sort of passion... With what sort of drive 
would you pursue getting a hold of one of those roots? Like, what lengths would you go to? Would you say, well, I can't really fly to the Amazon right now because I'm spending too much money with my hobby, so I'm sorry. Would you say, no, I don't want to cash in those things. I don't want to ruin my schedule this week. I don't want to give that much effort to it. Would you do that? I don't think so. If you're like me, there is nothing on the planet that would stop you from spending the rest of every waking moment in your life pursuing and going after, finding what that root is, where it is, and how I can get some. Am I the only one? That's what I would do for you, honey. Is that romantic? Is it? I'm just asking. Was it really? Yeah. Okay, good. What would you do? What if it was your child? What if it was your baby? I'm saying whatever it takes, right? That's commitment. That's the drive. That's the passion that Jesus is looking for from every single one of us today. That we would be that consumed and that passionate and that determined to do whatever it takes to continue to walk with him, obey him, discover his ways, and find out more about the mysteries that he has for us and how it causes us to live differently. Not just an attachment to our life, not an addendum, but the center of our lives. I've given you this image before. Maybe it might help again. Sometimes I have this idea that in Christianity today, those of us who are believers, when we, we like being believers. We like the church and some of the things in the church. And we like Jesus. I mean, I, he saved us from our sin. And I get this idea that we have this little red wagon, like the seven-year-old boy does. And everywhere he goes, he takes his wagon. And, and his wagon is his most prized possession, his little teddy bear. And everywhere he goes... Right? In my mind, I see it. Little squealy wheels towing his wagon everywhere he goes. His journey is his, but he wants to make sure he takes Teddy Bear wherever he goes so that if he needs it, it's right there behind him. And that's the way some of us walk with Jesus. Everywhere we go, putting the fish on our mirror or our, our window and, and the little slogan on our bumper sticker so that people know that we're Christians and we take our Bible and Jesus with us in our little red wagon wherever it is that we want to go in life so that when we have a need or when we face a crisis, we can turn around and there he is right there to comfort us. I got news for you. That's not his plan. His plan is to be out front. His plan is to tell you every single day, every single step, every single relationship, every area of your life, how you can please him and how you can do it his way. You see, you don't know the mysteries. You don't understand them until you begin to commit to following Jesus and then he begins to reveal and brings understanding. And it has tremendous value and benefits for the church today. Do you see that? There's one more key. The benefits aren't automatic is the first one. The second one is it begins with understanding. And the third one finally is this. They always reveal something, these mysteries. They always reveal God. They, they always reveal God. You remember um, where we started this morning in Ephesians. Now we're going to get back there. Listen again to verse 9. 
I want you to listen to this verse in view of what is he saying this mystery will point to? What is he saying this mystery will reveal? Listen carefully. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Did you catch that? The word of God is telling us that the mystery that he has for us, it all comes from and is about his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. You see, mysteries are wonderful. They give us huge benefit in our lives to stand strong, to continue to walk with him, to serve him. But the reason they're so effective and so powerful is because they reveal more and more about who he is. Mysteries are all about learning God's character, his ways, and his purposes. And the more we understand them, the more we live by them. The more we commit to them, the more we understand them. That's called discipleship. I'm going to tell you about a profound truth this morning. You ready? This is going to be worth the entrance fee this morning. Wherever you go, there you are. That's it. (laughs) So I came, got up this morning for that. Yeah, think about it. Wherever you go, there you are. It's always true. It's a universal truth. Wherever you end up going, that's where you will be. You say, well, that sounds silly. That sounds elementary. If if it's so silly, if it's so elementary, I wonder why so many of us head off in one direction and are surprised that we don't end up over here. We head off towards investing all of our lives in our career or our retirement or, or some reputation or some possessions that we could have or a lifestyle, and we follow the American dream. And listen, that's what we're directed to. That's what we're pursuing. And we wonder why we end up depressed and defeated as Christians, don't we? Because wherever you go, that's where you'll be. The point is this. If you want to be glorifying to God, if you want to be used by Him to glorify Him, then that's where you have to go. That's the direction you have to point your life. That's where you have to channel your resources. Time, effort, money, thoughts, This is what mysteries are all about. Folks, there's a mystery right before you. I don't know what it is. Something God wants you to see. And if you will walk with Jesus this week, if you will put him at the center of your life, if you will let everything else in life flow out of your persistent commitment and drive to follow him wherever he leads you, you will discover something this week that you never knew before. I promise you. And what you discover will be a benefit to your life. 
you are blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, and redeemed. Understand that and know that's because God has called you to be part of something that's much larger than who you are. And it's called the great mystery of the gathering. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? To begin with this morning as we pray, your heads are bowed and eyes closed, please, before the Lord. To begin with, the greatest mystery on the planet. Jesus died for you and shed his blood for your sins. And if you will trust him by faith and accept him this morning, all your sins will be forgiven and you will receive everlasting life. For some of us, it begins with responding to that mystery, a step of faith. If that's your desire in your heart, would you pray with me? Just trust to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, the forgiveness of sins. Here it is. Pray with me in your own heart. Father, I know that I sin, and my sin keeps me from getting to you. I turn from my sin, and I place my trust in you. I believe. your death and your blood for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. Be my Lord and Savior. For those who are remembering that mystery this morning and God's working in your life and you belong to him and you have everlasting life, the question is, how about the mysteries for you today? What new things have you learned about God? Is God speaking to your heart this morning? There's some area in my life I just have not yet given to him. It's still mine. I, I still am chasing after something. And this morning you just are so inspired to know more of God that you just want to give that up. Surrender, yield, commit to him. To be persistent in your walk. If that's your heart, let me give you the opportunity to respond this morning. We have a few moments set aside as you're just praying wherever you are. If you'd like to come forward to the altar, maybe just make a commitment before the Lord. Confess to Him that He is the center of your life and you intend to live this week following His ways. Would you come? Just come spend a moment at the altar. Stand, kneel, sit, pray. Perhaps you're here this morning and God has just burdened you. You are so thankful for his grace, the mystery that you know. God has been so good to you. Could you come to the altar this morning and thank him? Could you come and worship and pray? Wherever you are, if God's speaking to your heart, I want to invite you to come. Let's just come to the altar and pray this morning. Let's praise him and confess and worship. How will you respond to the Lord this morning? Is he speaking to your heart? Take some step of commitment this morning. 
Make a step in the direction where he's leading. Yes, Lord, I will. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. God, speak in your heart. You come. our hearts be encouraged Lord being knit together in love attaining to all riches and the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God both of the Father and Christ in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me invite you to take out that chat card we called your attention to uh, earlier in the service. Would you just take that out? Um, Do me a favor. Actually, do yourself a favor. Write some sort of response on the back of that card. Maybe it's a prayer request or a decision you've made, something that God spoke to you about this morning. Write it down. What we're going to do is we're going to take up an offering in just a moment. Guys are going to help with the offering. If you'll come forward at this time, we're going to take up an offering. And listen, church, here's what an offering is. It's something that we have that's important and valuable to us that we're going to give to God because we love him. Okay? And if you agree, that's what an offering is. Then what you can do is you can put on that card, here's something important to me, God. Here's the decision I've made. Here's the commitment I've made. Here's what I'm thanking you and praising you for. Put that in the offering plate as your offering this morning. I'm giving to you my heart. I'm giving to you my mind, my life. And I also want to encourage you to be faithful to put money in that offering plate too because that's something valuable that God has given to us. And he calls for us to give it back to him as an offering, a tithe. And it's pleasing to God when we do that. So we get to worship him through giving this morning. Pastor Joe, are you going to lead us in prayer? Our Father, as we come to this part of our service this morning, we open our hearts to see what you want us to do. We open our minds to your love, to your mercy, which so much that you've given us. We can't even begin to give back. We can't even begin to understand the fullness, the fullness of your love. So help us now, Lord, as we Reach into our hearts and our minds, our purses, our wallets, to do our part for the furtherance of these premises, of this work, of this ministry, 
in your name. Lord, we do pray it in Jesus' name. Lord, amen.